Welcome back, everyone, to Music Educated, a new podcast designed to provide young, aspiring musicians with perspectives from others in the music field so they can start to navigate how to move into a musical career. Like always, I am Tyler Mead, the host of Music Educated, and I, like many young musicians, have worked so hard to find clarity in my career path. So I'm on this journey to talk with some of my peers, mentors, and other professionals so I can gain some perspective on what it means to find some of that clarity. Today's episode, I hope, provides some perspectives to some students, uh, some music students and other young musicians from a studio owner. I am joined in this episode by Nadine Velada, owner of Velada Studios in Chester Springs, Pennsylvania, and she is my former employer. We discuss topics from teaching strategies for beginners to early challenges she faced in starting her own business in the music field. So without further ado, please enjoy the third conversation of Music Educated with Nadine Velada. So I just want to hop into it. I know we both have meetings and I don't want it to go too long. So um, uh, go ahead and tell the listeners just a little bit about how you got into studio teaching, not necessarily like classroom teaching, but just that studio aspect. Okay. Um, Well, it's actually a kind of funny story. I, I went to a art school in Jersey called Perkins Art Center when I was in sixth grade and they took an old mansion and converted it into an art center and I took my lessons there I totally fell in love with the atmosphere like you walk in and the foyer was where they hung the artwork of the, the art classes and like the music classes were upstairs in old bedrooms and the garage was a three-car garage they turned into a ballet studio and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever and I remember saying to my mom in sixth grade I'm gonna do that one day and she was like you're in sixth grade you don't know what you're gonna do and I was like yeah but I think I'm gonna do that one day um and then I went to college I started uh we moved out here my mom and I moved from Jersey to Pennsylvania And I had no friends. It was our first summer out here. I had nothing to do. And my mom, I was like, mom, what do I do do with myself? And she was like, start teaching lessons. Like, this is what you want to do. And I felt so insecure because I didn't have a degree yet. I didn't actually have any experience. I didn't go to college yet. And I was like, oh, should I try it? Should I not try it? And so I put up a flyer in my neighborhood. And the next thing I knew, I had 45 students in my home. And I loved it. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting to hear you say that because um, famous conductor Leonard Bernstein kind of did the same thing. He he paid his way through early lessons, be, uh, just teaching, because his dad didn't want to pay for serious lessons. He kind of thought it was a waste of time, but he just hopped into teaching just to pay for it, and that's kind of where he sort of developed his uh, his passion for teaching and ed- educating. So. Yeah, it really clicked for me. I I found that I loved it so much more one-on-one than in the classroom environment when I did my student teaching, which that's a cool route. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. 
Um, what parts of like your music education training sort of led you to want to teach and uh, do that private studio teaching? Can you like talk about what made the difference between the studio teaching and the classroom teaching? Um, well, from my education background, like at Westchester University, the connection I had with my private teachers was huge. Dr. Dr. Kim Raley, um, Dr. Patricia Powell, they, they were big time influences in my life. Um, having that personal relationship as a mentor, as a student, um, and I, I thrived with them working with me. Um, I, I liked the band too. That was what I, I thought I was gonna be a middle school band teacher possibly. And so I loved working with Dr. Yozviak and, and playing in the group settings, but that private setting really clicked for me. And um, I took piano pedagogy, even though I was a flute major. Right. And I, I found that class to be very eye-opening, just like, oh, teaching can be so fun and it can be customized to the child. And like, not just about them musically, but helping them grow as good humans and, yeah. you know, pursue life in that direction. And I just, I like that personal connection. There's something about yeah. that. Yeah, it, it's, it seems to um, be easier to kind of, individualize each lesson when it's that one-on-one -on -one setting and you feel like you have more of that sort of um, like impact on the individual and on the lesson whereas classroom setting I mean you could have like 30 kids running around and good luck trying to uh, individualize it for every student every lesson so yeah I, I completely agree I kind of find that that passion in um, the studio teaching as well um, you already talked about yeah. uh, some of your mentors at Westchester University, uh, Dr. Rayleigh and Dr. Powell. Mm -hmm. um, as a mentor to other teachers yourself now, what advice might you give to those young teachers and to young uh, musicians about the studio teaching? Um, one thing I always tell my my new teachers coming in now is that you really have to make lessons, if we're talking specifically studio teaching, um, you have to make it fun because the modern parent, being one myself, um, if it is not easy and convenient, we're not gonna do it, point blank. Um, if a kid comes home and they're fighting and kicking and screaming, they don't wanna go, they don't wanna practice, mom's just gonna be like, well, we don't need that now, goodbye. Um, and so I think it's really important to have that joy uh, and connecting with the kid on a personality level, not just on the music end of it. Like, okay, what is the kid like? What are they, you know, do they like sports? Can you tie that into the lesson? Can you make a game? Because again, I mean, I know for my own kids, my daughter loves piano. She is so into it. So making it fun for her is easy. My son could care less. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's a big challenge. I, I, I know uh, with your studio that you run, it's a, primarily college students kind of as their first experience teaching uh, as the teachers in the studio. Um, what kind of 
challenges do they face and how do you kind of help guide them through some of those challenges um, through week to week basis? I've seen two big trends. Um, my teachers coming in, a lot of them deal with behavioral management techniques and a lot of them struggle with understanding that kids are completely new to music. So the two kind of tie together a little bit. Behavioral management, a lot of musicians and a lot of private studio teachers may not necessarily have an education background. Yeah. They might have just gone to school for performance. So they struggle with, okay, I've never had to redirect a child to get their attention back to what we're focusing on. Or they've maybe never babysat because they didn't have that interest because they're like, oh, I'm going to be a performer. Right. But a lot of performers teach privately on the side. And so trying to help them with that is difficult. And, and it, again, it ties also into what I was saying, where kids doing it for the first time. Um, some of my teachers have come in this year and they just expect their kids to know how to practice. That's not realistic. A right. kid does not know how to practice. They don't know how to sit down and tear something apart. Um, you know, our recital season came up and I had to say to one of the teachers, your students have never done this before. Yeah. Walk them through it step by step. Yeah. How do they bow? How do they walk into the room? Like you have to have these conversations with these teachers because they're not grasping it. So my biggest challenge is helping the teacher understand where a child is developmentally, I think. I completely agree in, in those sorts of assessments because I was one of those teachers who kind of had to readjust how they were thinking. And I think that's every teacher, just readjust um, to the student and realize that they need special attention in this because they have no idea um, what to actually do. So I, I think that's a really really good point to to kind of try to help um, the students you know each kid is is different and we've been talking about making it unique but then you also I think when teachers come out of school and they haven't taught before they have this idealization in their head that like teaching is going to look like this and it's going to be fun and then they actually do it and they're like oh wait, the kid's five and they're not understanding it the first time I told it to them you know it's, right. it's just a different learning curve. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. What opportunities do you think being part of a studio provides to the students in the studio and as well as the teachers that you hire? Well, I think for the teachers especially, getting your foot in a studio is huge for my studio because my teachers are not alone. They're getting hands-on education experience, whether they're in college, out of college, pursuing college, whatever. They are here and they have someone like myself or my director, other teachers to bounce ideas off of and have mentors. And I also try to give my teachers the opportunity to be creative and try different things. Like, okay, you wanna do a summer camp? Let's talk about this. Let's, yeah. let's come up with ideas. Let's come up with games. Or um, we have an orchestra club running this semester that's completely full and we have to run a second session of it. Um, and that's awesome. We're giving a college student an opportunity to teach eight kids how to play in an ensemble at a middle school level. Like you're not going to get that in college before you're actually student teaching. Yeah. So 
I think that's really cool for them. For our private students, and it, it's the same thing, but flipped. They get the opportunity, we can put them together in small groups. They get the opportunity to perform, to be on stage in front of people. And that's huge. Um, my husband is a CPA and he talks all the time how he wishes his parents forced him to be in music and perform at a young age because now he has to stand in front of a boardroom and right. do all of these presentations that he's never had the experience of public speaking before. And he was like, man, if I stuck with saxophone when I was younger and played in front of people, I might be more comfortable now. Yeah. So I think that, you know, even though it's music, you're helping them in the professional world. You're helping doctors talk to people. You're helping, you know, people stand up in front of boardrooms or teachers in front of a room full of children. I think that's huge on top of just playing in groups and small opportunities and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, I, I want to kind of switch into uh, more of the business side of running a studio. Um, yeah. Starting with, what do you look for when you're hiring new teachers? When we're hiring new teachers, we're looking for a music credential background, whether they're actively pursuing it or have already completed completed it. They have to have real music education. I'm not going to hire someone who's like, I've been taking lessons for years. I can play. No. Um, I want real musicians in the house. That's first off. So when the resume comes in, that's the first thing I look for. Um, then if they have teaching experience, the better. Um, but their personality is huge. When they come into the office, can they sit down and have a conversation with me? Is it easy? Um, am I struggling to pull out of them topics? You know, uh, it has to have easy ebb and flow because when you're the teacher, you have to be able to facilitate that. Um, and I'm a huge believer on student-teacher chemistry, making sure that the, the kid and the teacher are the right fit. And, it, you know, so not having someone in the door that's, they don't have to be outgoing, but just easy to be with is right. huge. Yeah. Um, and then how can future music educators prepare themselves to be uh, hired in a studio like yours? Well, I mean, you know, like I said, the pursuing college music and ed is, is huge, or even performance, just some sort of educational background um, that's formal in music. Working with kids in any capacity is good practice, you know? So if you're young and you wanna babysit, or, um, you know, you worked at a preschool, just doing something, even if it's not music, but with children is gonna be really, really beneficial. Yeah, because it, it, any experience with, with young children will help that um, to, to facilitate that comfortability with working with that age and also the patience needed to, to kind of work with that age as well. So, <laughs> yeah, pa patience is definitely, definitely key. Um, it's yeah. important. Moving into the actual business part of what you do, could you kind of explain to the listeners what your studio is 
Um, well, we are primarily a music education studio for the most part. And then we've slowly branched into some other things. So we have like close to 400 lesson students. Um, from, and I have all these teachers who specialize in their instruments working here so that you're getting individualized lessons from someone who specializes in trumpet or piano, whatever. Um, but then we branched out into other forms of music education like Kinder Music, Zumbini. Um, we've worked with preschools recently. We have a, a teacher doing a strings program in a local um, charter school. So we've kind of branched out. I've started also doing um, hiring teachers for tutoring. So academic tutoring, and especially I think during the pandemic, that would be a beneficial thing for families right now. So we have that going on as well. So can you like go into kind of the challenges that you did not expect having that you've had to kind of work through running your own, running your own business? Okay. So that is a big question. Um, when I first opened, there was so much to learn. Uh, being a business owner. When you're a business owner, I say to everybody that you have to wear every hat. You have to be your marketing agent. You have to be your lawyer. You have to be your PR. You have to be the janitor. You literally have to do everything. Um, the first few years, I worked like thir- 12 to 13 hour days, Monday through Saturday, until I had enough students and earned enough money to hire a director because it was a lot, um, just keeping up with everything. And there was a huge learning curve for me with accounting and taxes and contracts, teacher contracts, independent contractors versus employees. There's big hardcore lines with the IRS in that sense. Um, And that was really overwhelming for me because I do not understand the business world. I'm a music educator. So that was massive. Yeah. And then marketing was hard too. Um, you know, even now I'm just, I revamp things all the time. I'm constantly reaching out to local marketing people, or I just had our contracts revamped. I'm paying a lawyer to rewrite them. Um, there's always that aspect of running a business that I really am. I am not educated in. So you have to have enough income to pay someone else to do. Yeah. And you have to kind of decide, what's important, where's the budget, you know, um, what lines are where, and it's a, that's a very difficult challenge. You have to have thick skin. You have to realize that you're not going to make every teacher happy. Um, that, that's probably the hardest part of my job. I, I hate the accounting. (laughs) Yes. I think, um, yeah. And you run such a large studio, um, that I can I can only imagine the challenges that you had to go through just getting to a point where it kind of feels comfortable uh, at this point. When, when did you kind of realize or think about bringing other teachers into your studio? When did that kind of process happen? I was a senior uh, in college working out of my mom's house and I had 45 students coming in and out of her house. And, um, I was dating my husband. We were dating at the time and he's a CPA, as I mentioned. And he said to me, Nadine, you have enough students to support 
rent somewhere. Why don't you give it a go? But it was a matter of finding the right amount of money. I was graduating and I didn't have money and I didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to go right away for the studio or if I wanted to get a school district job for a while and build my studio with time. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. But my husband was like, you have students to kind of support itself and I will cover your living finances. I was very fortunate that my husband was already established. And so I was able to move in with him, give up my financial independence um, and completely live off of him while I built my business from the ground. And my mother gave me my wedding fund. She had some money tucked aside for my wedding. She said, you can use this money to build your studio, but then you're paying for your wedding. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I did. And so I went for it and it worked. Um, and it was a crazy few years. It really was, but it was so worth it in the end. Yeah. I just kind of want to start to wrap up this. And I mean, it's a big question. Uh, to wrap up with, but where do you kind of see, where do you kind of see uh, the future of studio teaching going, especially with the recent need for online synchronous and asynchronous uh, instruction? Yeah, well, it's been interesting to see the switch in things this year, for sure. Um, my plans for my studio are to grow it. We, we, in a different direction, a bigger building, a bigger facility, have more things in house, have music theater, add other arts programs. Um, but that's all kind of been put on hold because of the pandemic and how things have changed. So, you know, we were going into preschools, but now they're not letting us in. We were having toddler classes, but now I don't feel comfortable having toddlers come into the facility and things are more virtual. So I, I'm not, 100% sure how things are changing, um, but things like our orchestra club, where it's small groups of eight kids, that's thriving because they're not having band in school. So it's been, we're doing well, things are okay. We're like half virtual, half in person, but it's shifting. And yeah. I don't know if it's gonna shift back when the pandemic's over or if it's just gonna stay this way or not. I'm really not sure. Um, I just know that as a business owner, you have to be able to think on your feet and adapt quickly. And my staff, I, especially my director, I give him total props for this because he was able to completely change our entire program in one weekend. He and I like literally busted our butts and made it virtual, like on a snap. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, how things are going to be in the future. I think we have to have ebb and flow and, and go with it. I think in-house lessons are going to become a thing of obsolete and it's going to be either virtual or in studio. I don't think people are going to be going into homes as much. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not sure how things are going to grow. Maybe more smaller groups instead of large. It's, it's I think depending on how the pandemic plays out, it'll be interesting. But the one trend I am noticing no matter what is that music is keeping people sane through this time period. Right. And it is something people can do independently and in small groups safely. And that I think is huge where we're finding sports. That's not an option. 
Right. Um, you know, and other activities for children are, are not safe, but this is. Yeah. So I think music is going to die. I think it's just going to change. Right. Um, how, how is this kind of unique period sort of help you adapt and connect uh, to new families and give new opportunities um, to those who might be looking for it at this point? We've been connecting with more kids that are in the music programs at school, but parents didn't want to pay for lessons. Mm. Now they're like, oh my gosh, my kid loves band, but there is no band. So we're, we're giving them that outlet that they're not getting. Um, and I also think that we give them, an act, again, an, an activity that's safe. Give their kids something sane. You're cooped up in your house all day, but you can play your guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think that's you know, giving them something that they can enjoy from home is huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you brought up so many um, awesome things for, for young teachers to kind of think about um, and kind of gave a really unique perspective into kind of just the basic levels of how you've been um, able to build up your studio successfully. Um, and work through this uh, trying time of, of pandemic and, and all that sort of stuff. So I just want to thank you again for uh, uh, doing this interview so we can have this conversation and kind of give these perspectives to, to others that are listening. So thank you. Of course, anytime. Nadine offers so much great insight on the business of music, as well as the basic insight to studio teaching. She has been doing so much great work within the community during this time of pandemic and continually offers so many opportunities for students and for young musicians searching for a way to start their musical career under the guidance of a true professional. If you are listening and would like to find out more information about Nadine's studio, please visit their website at veladastudios.com, which can be found in the description. I want to thank you all again for listening, and if there was anything that stood out to you during this episode, or if you enjoy hearing these types of, uh, types of perspectives and stories, please share this podcast and consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts and follow on Spotify. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas for future guests on the podcast, feel free to reach out via Instagram at tyler.mead or email me at uh, tcmusic.tyler at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, and be on the lookout for next week's episode featuring some current music students as they ask and answer questions about how they have managed to begin their musical career. Mm -hmm.